We're at the gate. Yo. Gentlemen, good to see you both. You too, Jack. You too. Fresh cut. Looking very, very good. Oh, Sarah got me good on the way. And she, as soon as I opened the door, they opened the door. Um, the prison's that way. <laughs> <laughs> and then she goes, oh, you, you've missed a bit. And then Radis went, who did I? I said, oh, Hannah and Link. And, and I thought that she was pulling my leg and apparently there's a little bit. There is a little bit. Yeah, okay. Sarah's so good at picking up on, like I obviously do mine every time. And Sarah notices every little patch that I miss. Always makes a comment. So it's always a cut one night, fix up the next night. Thanks, says. <laughs> you got to love it. <laughs> like the support. Um, any updates? Um, obviously, last week we were MIA. Um, yeah, just didn't get around to it. Uh, I did see Tim on Thursday. Uh, Tim was at our house, actually, um, <laughs> dropping off a whole heap of um, rad recovery boots, which was cool. Um, they've all been sold. <laughs> Jack's bought them all. There's uh, four <laughs> four pairs left if anyone's interested, <laughs> if you're an avid listener. And um, yeah, they're selling fast, they're getting quick. And Barnsley was in Sydney. But how was the um, professional development? Yeah, it was good. A couple of good takeaways. Um, that wraps up our face to face PD with this group in particular. Um, and then, yeah, Sydney was just nice as well. Good weather, little beach. It's uh, it's something we touch on all the time, but yeah, when you have those nice days, it's beautiful because it's been shit here in Victoria. <laughs> <laughs> it's been shit. Um, Welshie, last time I kind of hung out with you, we were moving stuff from your um, rental property into your uh, into your house. How, how's the home going? Yeah, it's uh, it's amazing. Um, just like all these little things that you don't really think about that have just made things so much easier and. Just yeah, not having to drive across town to drop the boys off to daycare and stuff like that. All these yeah, tiny little things that add up and make things so much easier and better and feel much nicer. But it was funny. Uh, I was um, today started at eleven, so I dropped the boys at daycare and it was probably like quarter past nine by the time I got home. And I was like, oh, what am I going to do now? And I was like, no, I'm just going to actually stop and enjoy the house for a second because. There's just been like this whole period of, all right, I've got this time now to go and clean the other house or I've got this time to try and do something out in the garden or I've got this time to do whatever. And I was like, no, I'll just pull the pin on that for today and actually sit down and enjoy the house. We'd just sit on your couch? On the couch in front of the TV. Watched a bit of a show on Netflix, had a coffee. Um, but no, it was yeah, it was really good. What were the feelings while you were in that moment? Because that's a special moment. Yeah, no, I think it was just like even just reflecting and just being like, oh, this is actually because Sarah and I have sort of said it a few times. This is like actually our house. This is pretty cool. Um, and then just yeah, appreciating that more. I think in that in that moment, which was which was really nice. Um, and then yeah, a message came through, which was pretty special in that time as well. It was uh, this is the first time you boys are hearing it? Mm. Message from Shane Pongo. Screenshot. Most played podcast for the year, out the gate. <laughs> How good. We made it. We Shame. made it. You legend. <laughs> so big shout out to, to Steve Pingu. 
got, got up Steve a couple of times recently, so we're all with that one. <laughs> oh, man. That happened at the uh, what, start of the year, I think. That's oh, happened several times. Jeez. Shane must be a hard man to get right. <laughs> That's like one of the most common Aussie names I've heard. Shano. Just remember Shano. Oh, you're a legend, Shane. That is awesome. Bloody, bloody legend. Um, well, nice. Nice to nice to know that you're living in your home that you've created. Uh, I know you don't like taking praise, but it, it's a beautiful place. And, and congratulations. It's fucking cool, bro. It is. Thank you. Bloody cool. And, and Shane, much love. You're a legend. <laughs> Um, today's topic came from listening to the Huberman Lab podcast on a run last week. Um, been on and off Dr. Andrew Huberman's podcast for a while because he's very intelligent and the word, he, he does break it down for me to understand it in layman's terms, but I get a little bit lost in it sometimes. But one thing I took away and I thought you two could touch on, I've got the notes here um, that I looked into, as development of self-confidence, self-esteem, and competence. Now, obviously from personal experience, but also in the, um, uh, the strength and conditioning world, being athletes and just being blokes as well, um, thought we could dive into these topics and if you could provide some professional advice, if you feel comfortable, and also personal experience on these things. Um, so firstly, um, how do you work with someone and help build and maintain self-confidence, especially after injury and setbacks, whether that be personal life, sports, world life. It was interesting when you sent this through. There was a couple of, I think there's been three really clear instances in the last two weeks uh, where there's been people um, sustaining some form of re-injury or um, they've had some, yeah, some sort of injury that they've, just like immediately dropped their head and they've just been like, oh shit, like this is happening again. Like everything's terrible. Um, and it was, there was probably two that I was like, I hadn't had people react like that in a little while. And it sort of caught, caught me off guard a little bit. But I think probably the thing that I came back to was at that point, they didn't know what the injury was. Um, or if it was actually the same thing, they're like, oh, no, it feels the exact same as last time and, and so on. And there was a, a girl that came in and was in that boat. Um, and I was like, you've sort of just self-diagnosed yourself with the same injury. You need to actually go and work out what it is. Um, so then she went and saw um, Shane and went and got an MRI. Um, and she didn't want to get the MRI because she's like, oh, it's, it's just going to ruin everything. Like, I'm going off to school. Is it's gonna? I'm going to be walking around there in a boot. Um, and then also she's been working really hard on the on the court and just wanted to like put her head in the sand and ignore it, um, even if it meant that she could make the injury worse and just continue to push through. Um, and I was like, no, get the go get the scan. Like uh, worst case scenario, it confirms what you know, and then you actually know that you've 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 got that injury. Um, best case scenario, you get it, um, and then it comes back and there's nothing wrong, and you can go off and enjoy school is anyway, um, and came back and it was something really really minor um so she was able to avoid jumping in a boot or anything like that it was just a week of rest which she was going to do at schoolies anyway um so it worked out really well but it was probably just yeah that whole mindset of oh no like everything's falling apart this is terrible and and so on is probably just trying to be like a steady head in that situation um and then there was another discussion i had yesterday which was very similar a lad um 
had had stress fractures in his feet and, and an ankle injury. Um, and he was saying that all of a sudden on, um, he was talking about this pain that had been building up and so on. And, oh, no, I've done the injury again and, and so on. Um, and uh, he was, yeah, oh, um, this lad that I was running with at the start of the year, he's now running this time and I'm running this time and, like, everything's just falling apart and um, I don't know how I'm going to miss out on more training and all this sort of stuff. And it was the exact same scenario. Like, he hadn't had anything diagnosed or anything. So um, he went in and saw Holly, but it was only towards the end of the conversation. He's like, oh, it's hurting here. And I was like, that's a completely different area to where it was saw before, isn't it? And he's like, yeah, yeah, but it's the exact same thing. Like, I know it is. And I was like, cool. Chances are it's probably not because it's just like your foot is still at sore, but in another area it would be no different to hurting your hamstring. Mm. Um, but it's just because it's in that same area that they're so hyper aware and um, and concerned about it. So um, yeah, probably the thing that you, you take out of those is just to keep a level head and be to be smart and and say, all right, let's actually work out what's going on and then and then deal with it from there. Um, but then obviously like the other thing that comes to mind is longer term injuries um, trying to look at the the gains or the positives that you can make so it's like all right you're a footballer you've hurt your knee as long as you've got no upper body injuries there's no reason why you can't challenge yourself there or can you try and get fitter in in a certain regard can you do lots of swimming and so on and try and turn your potential weakness into a strength and say look I came into this I was super weak upper body wise Um, let's set a a goal on the bench press how can we get you stronger on that or, or so on and you've got this real opportunity for 12 months to improve that area of game so that when you go back hopefully you're actually better than where you were before um, so I think it, that's, a, that's a big one is look for opportunities to improve elsewhere even though there might be immediate negatives in the area I think that comes down to your, the individual's personal identity and where they put those current injuries on a, like a, a, a continuum of what's most important to not important. And those two examples that you use were at the moment their training and their physical performance is probably number one in their life. Yeah. So I think when, when that is threatened to be taken away, it's it's pretty normal for your self-confidence, your self-esteem to, to plummet. I think what happens is someone similar might suffer the exact same thing, but because that uh, – the physical performance or training is not number one on the list. It might be number three, number four. They still have things to, to be okay with. And that's why you see with every different injury, every different individual, they they handle those kind of setbacks differently as well. Because, um, I, yeah, I think that self-confidence, that self-esteem, if you can build your personal identity around a broad amount of things and not necessarily just that one thing, you're, you're more likely to be able to bounce out of those little holes that you get yourself into. Um, which I think we see and we try to build with athletes as well. Like sport is so important, especially in our field, but it's not everything. It's not, it's not the most important thing out there. It's, there are so many other factors as well. Well, Link, that's a great segue into the next little point I had is the emotional management side of things. You're talking about building that wide range of, you know, your identity isn't just your footy or your netball or soccer, et cetera, et cetera. You're more than that. But to some younger kids, that's all they are. And that's all they think they are at at a certain point in their life. So how do you guys as coaches um, deal with people's emotions like stress, frustration, 
whether it be not making a team. I think what sparked it was seeing the video on the Rad Instagram of the young gentleman who you guys have coached for a while um, make the NF, uh, I was going to say NFL, <laughs> the AFL draft and, and make a team. I don't know the dude. I don't think I've ever met him. But I get that buzz from seeing that. And then I think, oh, shit, he's high-fiving his friend who might not be as good as him. He might be going, oh, shit, my buddy's just made it. I haven't. So how do you guys as coaches, athletes and, and men manage emotional mm. side of things? <clears throat> I think it's it's everyone's so different. I think you've got to take that into account. Like, yeah, there's there's thousands of boys around the country right now who whose name didn't get read out on that draft night. Um, we know with elite sport, it's so hard to make it. And, you know... Not, not to take away from the guys who did get drafted because they do put in, they find what they're good at and they excel at that. But I think to be able to set someone up, you need to be able to keep people level-headed, especially here, not allowed to them <clears throat> to get ahead of themselves because as soon as they do and they find those setbacks, that's when they, they start to crumble again. So, you know, even even the guys that, well, you've been working in this industry a little bit longer than me, but the guys who are going to potentially make it, you still need to, you know, set them up to if they do fail, they're okay. Um, and then you do that with everyone else as well around that kind of environment because, yeah, not everyone makes it. We're all on these different journeys. So as long as you're absolutely uh, well-rounded and not all eggs in the one basket like a Shane Crawford. Do you remember that story? Year, uh, year 12 English exam, just sat back, wrote one line was, I will be getting drafted this year. I don't need to do this exam. That's all he wrote. So... You try to avoid situations like that when, you know, school's important, family's important, scenario B, C, D, E, F are also very, very important. Um, but that's, yeah, I'll probably, it's one of the, the pathways that I try to take when coaching anyone or talking to anyone about anything, whether it's sport-related or business-related, personally, anything. Yeah, absolutely. And then probably the other thing is just listening as much as you can. And trying to ask questions and like talk about things other than their sport. Um, so yes, there's some pretty decent athletes that come in here, but just trying to. Um, and, and it's funny, like an initial assessment, people always sit down. I'm like, tell me about yourself, and they start reeling on about their sport and stuff. And I was like, yeah, but like, what else do you like? What, have you got any brothers and sisters? Like, what's what's good to you outside of sport? Um, and it, yeah, it's probably just trying to raise their understanding of of things outside of that but then yeah just listening so um just trying to have conversations away from what everyone probably wants to talk to them about if they go to school teacher probably identifies them as a footy player or whatever oh how's your footy going how's this going and so on rather than when they come in here yes you chat about it but you try and change their attention or their thoughts to, to something else how do you think um in the world we live in with technology and social media, well, she, we know you, you haven't been on for a long time, and, and that's great, but a lot of the kids and, and young people, and, and well, I know Barnsley and I are on social media, and I just block it out because I, I look at it and I love seeing winning. I love, even if I don't know the person, I love seeing the wins because it inspires me. But some people don't look at social media like that. They compare, and I forget the the person who said it, but, you know, comparison is the biggest thief of joy. And people constantly compare themselves to others and 
how do you think the social media aspect of life has changed people's kind of emotional states? Because people doom scroll, you've heard of that? Doom scrolling, where you're just looking at your phone, scrolling, and you're just locked in. Doom scrolling. Uh, I think it, without, if you're not on social media, you're not getting that, you know, that stimulus to compare, but I think we compare all the time. It's just what you do with that comparison that really matters. So I think it's setting up people with those kind of tools to be able to like, yeah, look, like I, I compare myself. I look at other 31 year olds who are doing more things than what I am, but it's, that's fuel to my fire to try other things as well, rather than me being like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm not that good. I, I've, I've wasted 31 years. So I think it's, it's using tools in comparisons that obviously allow you to move out of that. Um, I don't know, schools use it all the time and they, they spend a lot of time working with kids on that toolkit with comparison because yeah, the world's now changing now from social media influence where that's just what we do as humans. We compare, we judge. So it's having tools to, to try to negate the negative effects that comes with it. It happens in the gym as well. Like people will be like, oh, they're lifting 150 kilos or whatever and I'm lifting whatever and you just got to give them perspective and say, but yeah, you were lifting 40 kilos last week and now you're lifting 50. You're improving. Uh, don't worry about them sort of thing or or they'll just be standing. If we're doing testing, they'll be standing at the back of the line. What do they get? What do they get? And I was like, don't worry about them. Just focus on yourself and, and try and improve yourself because that's all you can do. Mm-hmm. It's that, um, what's the analogy, you know, the grass is always greener. You got to you got to worry about your own backyard before you start looking at other people's. Uh, another great segue into um, this perspective, if, if from a coaching perspective, are there strategies? And this is also can transcend into life and everyday stuff, not just from coaching. Strategies for turning negative emotions and and thoughts into a positive performance, whether that be sports, life, relationship that you guys use or impact and, and, and place in your life? I think, again, it comes down to using tools in terms of being able to reframe what it is that you're experiencing. Um, having set things set up in a way that build you up if something does happen, you know, going into that, deep into that toolkit to be able to actually come out the other side winning, um, I think that's a really important thing. But those tools take years and years to develop. Um and yeah, I suppose we try to add things to the toolkits from our athletes' point of view, whether you're, you know, athlete development or rehab, we're just trying to give people the tools to be able to cope with what comes ahead, not just deal with what's happening there. Can you give us a tool? Can, can you, what, what's something you would go, something that you use as, as Link Barnes that, that's helped you through, because you've done, you know, you've travelled, you've done different careers, studied a lot, done a bit. Uh, I think it's just being able to identify other areas that they that person can obviously succeed in or or different pathways that that person can take. Um, you know, obviously I had a bit of a, a setback with my injury earlier this year. I was like, all right, well, maybe football's not uh, going to be able to be something that I continue to pursue. Um, what else can I be doing? And that's where you, what, what Tim already said, like my big focus was upper body stuff for a little while until I got back rehabbing and running and um, I think if you don't have that little mindset, like I could have been stuck in a little deep, dark hole because that is such a big part of my identity is, is movement. Um, but yeah, finding other little things as well, you know, being able to dive into you know, 
know, books or podcasts and, and reaching out for help and being able to actually reach out for to ask others, um, how do I get out of this little deep hole and what's, what's a tool that you obviously use? That is a big one, Barnsley. Being okay with asking for help. Hmm. That's, I think, a very strong tool that all of us can use is asking. Ask the question and hopefully the person doesn't go, oh, that was a stupid question. Hopefully they go, oh, actually... I can help you with that, or I can actually find out how that we can get help for that. Because mm. I hate when you ask someone something and they go, oh, I don't know. You're like, oh, shit, I'm coming to you because I want you to help guide me to, to find out the information. And that's something I try and do. Go, shit, I can tell you what I know, but actually, you know what, we've got computers in front of us, we've got these little phones, let's Google it, let's get the information, and we can try and help you to get those steps. Because um, I think that emotional management is... Probably one of the hardest things that I don't know if you guys realise that it's such a big impact that you have, especially on your on your athletes and people you deal with in, in a professional sense. Um, from my personal perspective, um, with the, the, the presence that I can carry with my role as, as a personality on radio is I forget that I can be extremely loud. I forget that I can be very boisterous and absolute foolish. But I also understand that I can use that as like a superpower I can help pick people up from the depths of their their thoughts um, I can normally read when people are a little bit off and I, I try and my best to, to pick them up but then something that I've recently worked on and with my self-development is going you know what your energy needs to be protected as well you can't be pouring from the empty cup you have to hold stuff for yourself um, because that's the most important is, is me, but I love almost burning myself to the end of the wick, and then I'm like, oh, I'm so drained and depleted, and then now I have, have Hannah in my life, I'm like, fuck, this person deserves the best of me, so I have to kind of suck it straight back up like he helium and go, this person deserves my 100, everyone else can fuck off, but I still go, no, I want to give everyone everything, and that's been a hard, hard kind of, realization but it's it's happening mm. it's a process and you learn through every experience i suppose and yeah we're still all doing the same thing also just still just learning tim you're looking gazing into my soul oh it's interesting to fair analogy like how do you maintain enough energy for everyone that you want to provide it to like and and we've talked about it before when barnsey had the camera on him and was doing the video of him coaching he was just doing what he normally does, but then it's like, oh, shit, now I've got all eyes on me. I've got to almost level it up, but you do that every day. Everyone in this building does. Like, how do you hold stuff for yourself and for your little circle that you have outside of your professional person? Like, it's kind of hard. Um, I don't know. There's probably a few jobs where you, you, you just get to hold everything, like accountants. They seem like they can just be real assholes, and <laughs> and and no one they don't. Yeah, well, the computer's probably draining their energy. To be honest, like yeah, it's, true. They're true. not giving their their energy to anyone. They're giving it to a, a lifeless, soul sucking computer, looking at numbers all day. When you put it like that, dark. Well, thank you for your um, input, guys. I just I thought we 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 should touch on you know use your brains because you both. Um, I look up to you both. Um, a lot, and I, I thought about this stuff about self-confidence, self-esteem.